Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It is 1234 in Edmonton. Let's go to our Westlock Ford text line at 630, 630. Uh, hey, Bob. Uh, Nader here. FYI, Jay Onright is going to be speaking in Athabasca on October 27th, Rotary rank, uh, Banquet. He's from here. Well, I was in Athabasca the other day. I think Jay's a little bit more high profile. He is a terrific guy, I will tell you. Great, Albert, and I'm sure you guys will have a wonderful event up there in uh, Athabasca. Uh, this text comes in from Randy in Red Deer. He says, Bob, you have been around long enough now to know that players like Yamamoto and Bouchard may look good now, but what about halfway through the season? Completely fair comment. Completely fair comment. Again, you can text us at 630-630. Kurt says in Red Deer, Bob, it's great to see the top line performing well, but to compete in the NHL, the Oilers will need to get a second line going. It's preseason. Why not try Drysaddle, Reader, and Pugliarvi? That one comes to us from Kurt. I think they, in Pugliarvi's case, baby steps, but here it is. You're the guy in that line, and he has been wonderful so far. All right. Uh, Louis DeBrusque is on a conference call right now, which means that uh, after we tell you about uh, guests on orders now receiving gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris Steakhouse, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Uh, tell Rebecca and the staff that orders now sent you. Um, we will tell you that we pre-taped this conversation at uh, 11.33 today. So let's get to it. Here's Louis DeRusk. Well, Louis, uh, we're closing in on the end of preseason, but before we get to uh, maybe some of the Edmonton Oilers storylines at this time, a member of your team, Brian Burke, joining our team on Oilers Now. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's a terrific ad for you, Bob. You know, I know you and I have talked about it, you know, for a little while now, knowing that he was going to be coming on board, and uh, I had the... uh, the privilege of working with him throughout the playoffs this last year and also the draft in the summertime. So great guy to be around. He's been around the game his entire life, uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, obviously has a very strong opinion of things, which makes him so colorful, which should be a terrific add to your show, and I'm sure you'll get some beauties out of him. But, uh, you know, for Berkey, for me, you know, my, my history with him is just, you know, bumping into him over the course of my playing career, a couple of times when I was trying to find a contract and I was calling general managers myself, um, I always respected Brian Burke because he was always one of them that would always call me back. 
He talked with me on the phone for 20, 30 minutes, wished me best luck, even though he might not have something available for me. He always wanted me to do well and, and have a success in the future. And I always respected him for that, always being that guy that would uh, pick up the phone, call me back, and have some kind words for a guy that was searching for a job. So he's always been in my good books. He's an old-school guy, and I'm sure he's going to be uh, fun to listen to this year. You know, Louie, we needed to add more truculence to our show. That was the real issue. <laughs> I love that word. There you go. Uh, well, you know what? We're closing in on the end of the preseason. Um, the Edmonton Oilers sending Ryan McLeod down uh, this morning. He actually left town last night. Um, so we're, we're starting to get things whittled down here a bit. Uh, but one of the storylines for the preseason for the Edmonton Oilers was who was going to score in the wing. And a year ago, at this time in Boston, I didn't know whether or not they thought Jake DeBrusque was going to be a legitimate top six option. But he became one. And that is an illustration of how things can change. And lo and behold, here we are. The Oilers uh, have got three right-wingers in terms of Ty Ratty along with uh, Kyler Yamamoto and, yes, the Pugliarvi that have combined to score 15 goals in five games. I know it's just preseason, Louie, but the fact is those guys have stepped up, haven't they? They really have stepped up, and I think if you look at this team heading into the preseason, heading into the season, one of the things, and certainly probably the biggest um, question mark for me going in, was who was going to fill up that right-hand side and how, how well were they going to be able to play, especially in the top nine. Um, it's been, I don't think it could go any better, really, for the three right-wingers that you just mentioned. And, you know, all three of them have had impacts in the games. I think um, Ty Ratty obviously, is on a different level right now. He's come in with just a a real confidence to his game. This is a player that, I mean, has always been an offensive guy. He's always had a nose around the net. He's always been able to score. Just took him a little bit of time to learn what it was like to be a pro, and let's face it, get an opportunity. He's getting an amazing opportunity right now on the line with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And listen, you can tell that both Nugent Hopkins and McDavid are excited for Ty Ratty. They see a young guy here that's come in here. He's hungry. He wants to make a name. He's worked in the games, and it's clicking right now. So that's that's a real positive sign heading into the into the regular season. And then young Kyler Yamamoto has done a great job too. He's coming and and has been as advertised again. A little more confident. He gets to the dangerous areas. He knows how to get there perfectly on time, which is his biggest asset. He's there right when he needs to be to get a real grade A chance. Um, doesn't hurt you defensively for a smaller statured guy. He battles hard on the walls and wins puck battles. Um, I like the way he's played. And the guy for me probably who's been the most surprising is Pauly Arby. I've I, I watched him play, and he has to have blown around five, six guys in the preseason defenseman where he's literally picked up a puck in the neutral zone and just walked right around a defenseman. We didn't see that all of last year, if I recall. I don't remember seeing a play like that from him. So he's definitely put the work in in the offseason. I had a really good conversation with him. He's 15 pounds lighter. He's leaner. And you know what? It shows. It shows in his skating and his uh, willingness to, to move his legs and use that speed. And that's the kind of confidence booster that can certainly carry over. Yes, I know it's preseason, but there's no question those are real positive signs heading into the regular season. From NHL Hockey and Rogers and Hockey Night in Canada, Louis DeBrusque, former Edmonton Oiler, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Louis, uh, so many times I hear on you know various uh, shows uh, and discussion and get texts from people, yes, the Poliarby has to be moved up. He has to play in the top six. And I have a theory, and I'd like to discuss it with you. 
I think he's perfectly situated where he's at right now because he gets to be the guy on that line, and he does not have to defer to Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid if he plays in the top six at this time. He's starting to feel himself as a player, become who he can be, and he's driving it, and that gives the Oilers another look. Agree or disagree with that take? I totally agree. And, you know, listen, there's going to be situations. We saw he took the pass from McDavid in the last game and scored a goal off the rush, came in, picked it up, and shelved it, um, is shooting the puck more. But I think he does need to be the driver. This is the way you gain confidence and you start to believe in yourself as a player. So for, for player RV, he's not going to be reliant on a particular player to play his type of a game. He's a big power forward. I mean, we were talking about it in the stands a couple of days ago, watching this kid skate around, and when he comes off the ice and walks, he, he is a big kid. He's really big. Like, you know what, you don't realize it until you get up to him and you say, wow, man, he's kind of lanky. He's got those long legs. Still kind of looks like a giraffe a little bit at times, but he's starting to dial that in. He's starting to really find his physical strength as an adult player, and I think that's the biggest transition that he's made in the last year. He's starting to be able to use those muscles at a really high tempo, high pace, and now you're starting to see that come through. Still work to be done there, but, but I think he's just a different kid. I think you look at him, and he's, he's another year in the league. He comes into training camp. He's familiar with the surroundings. He knows what they expect from him, and that's, that's a big, big difference for a player. You know, Coming into a camp and trying to figure your way through where you fit and maybe not being able to do the things that you want to do at that level that you've been able to do at every other level can be a real slap in the face and a real knock on your confidence. And I, I think we saw that a little bit with Pugliarvi. I think, you know, he came in here and he was like, holy geez, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with the puck. He beat it up sometimes. You know, maybe the feet weren't moving. But, listen, this is a young player that we've said all along that, uh, and again, I go back to Leon Dreisaitl in his first year. When you watched him play, you knew the talent was there. You knew the mindset was there. He had the physical size to be there. But to play at that pace in the National Hockey League, it just wasn't there yet for him. He was sent back to junior, was the MVP in the Memorial Cup in a losing effort. But he came back the next year and he was more prepared to play in the NHL. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just everybody matures and gets there at a different time. And let's face it, Bob, 95 to 99% of the guys don't ever get there. So this is, it's a big step. It's a massive, huge step. And it's nice to see him take those strides and, Again, you don't want to get too excited because it's preseason, but i got to tell you, that was probably the biggest question mark for me was the right-hand side and the forwards and how they were going to disperse that and who was going to jump in there and grab those spots. And lo and behold, it's the three guys that we thought were going to grab those spots that did. Yeah, Yamamoto, uh, so you got him on the team? I got him on the team. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I, I think you can insulate him. I think you can insulate him with bigger guys. I know they've played him on a couple different lines, and they put him in different positions. But for me, he creates a lot. And you're going to need that creativity from, if you want to call it your bottom six, um, potentially your top six. He's going to be in that top nine, let's say. Yep. And you can kind of jump him around a little bit. So, I, 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 yes, I think so. I don't think that other guys have stepped in there and done a good enough job to take that away from him. I think he creates enough. I think he knows where to go. I think he works hard. This is a guy you want to be successful. So the only time that I could see them maybe making a decision to send him down um, would be only because he was struggling, only because he just wasn't getting and wasn't able to continue at that pace if that was ever to happen. But I don't know. I see a pretty motivated kid here. He has the speed. He has the tools. And, 
you know what, I, I would have him on my team. That's me. I'm not the guy making those decisions, but I know that he's on my team. Oilers analyst uh, for NHL Hockey and Rogers uh, broadcast, Louis DeBrus, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. Louie, uh, we have two guys still here on PTO. Scotty Upshaw was released. He does have an option once he gets a little healthier to potentially report to Bakersfield. I'm going to pose a question about fit and, and guys being pros. Alex Chason, he's a pro. He won a Stanley Cup last year for the Washington Capitals. Um, he knows what it takes. He's played for some of the Oilers coaches like Glenn Gullitson twice before. Jason Garrison on defense. He's a pro. Finished up last year in the AHL. Performed well for Rocky Thompson. Um, if, if you had a guy that's a pro and knows what he needs to do and brings the right energy to your team, does that sometimes trump other aspects when you're talking bubble guys? Big time. I, I, there's no question. I think it, I think it, it majorly trumps those things unless unless the other things are so overriding that you can't you can't look away from them. But um, for me, having that poise and that stability from a veteran presence is something that this team has been lacking for a long time. So anytime you can inject that into your lineup to again insulate some really good, talented young players, then. I think that's a good thing. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. The only question that I have and the only concern that I have is can they maintain that level that they've had so far? And when the speed really starts to ratchet up, which it will again in a week and it will again midseason and it will again at the end of the season and even higher into the playoffs, that's the only concern I have. But you have a guy in chase on that's won a Stanley Cup. He, w- he had a role on that team and he played that role, but he won a Stanley Cup and that, that is invaluable experience from any team wants that in, in their organization. So you can't go wrong with him. And as you mentioned, there's a history there with Gullison, both in Dallas and Calgary. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's a guy that you know what you, you're going to expect from him. And he's had to change his role. There's another prime example of a guy that came in as an offensive guy into the league, but had to work on his game defensively to become a better player on the opposite side of the puck. And now is considered a bottom six guy, but still has the ability to score a big goal from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're defending better, which is something this team needs to do. Um, I look at Jason Garrison. I've liked his game. i got to tell you, I, I, I watched him the other night, and that veteran um, experience goes a long way on how to, to angle a player off, how to be in the right position, the right time to give a guy an aggressive cross-check, the stick in the right lane at the right time. Not necessarily the mobility, which we talk about a lot because the game's gotten a lot faster, but those cagey veteran guys know how to play within their means and play a simplified game. And I think that's where Garrison fits in. And, and that sounds like something the others, again, could use. So both of those guys, in my opinion, if they were to sign them both, I, uh, I'd have no problem with it. I really wouldn't. I think that they're, they're both veteran guys that could certainly add to the mix. Great depth players, even if they weren't in the lineup every single night. But they give you something that uh, right now they don't necessarily have. All right, Louie, we have you on for opinion, and we have you on for a little bit of storytelling. We're wrapping up preseason. Uh, there hasn't exactly been an abundance of scraps. There were some tilts in the Oilers-Calgary preseason game. Did but you see the Maroon one the other night? Yeah, that was uh, a little old school. Chucking <laughs> off the buckets. Uh, you, I, I know oh, you... Chucking off the buckets, off the gloves, and uh, they were both throwing some heat in that one. That was definitely an old school Who is the guy? Who is the guy you had the biggest... Oh. The biggest show with, biggest show with, yeah, like where you oh. did, where you where you strut, because you weren't that guy, right? Like you weren't, 
a guy looking to to go to center yeah. ice and rip off the helmets. And I mean, I'm, I remember you fighting right off the faceoffs in games uh, against the Kings of uh, Marty McSorley. But was there a guy that always made it a show that made you kind of chuckle or maybe infuriated you? I think a Donald Brashear would have been a guy that angered some guys around the league back in the day. Yeah, no, you know what? The guys, I mean, I think, you know, back then that Pacific Division, I look at it, it was like uh, Smythe Division, Pacific Division, whatever you want to call it. It was uh, the guys I fought were on a regular basis, so we knew going in. Like, there were there were certain guys on the opposite team that I knew I was going to have to deal with, and they knew they were going to have to deal with me. So it was a respect there in the sense that you weren't going to, you weren't going to be show anybody up, so to speak. But uh, the times when I do remember where it was like a little bit staged, even more so than a face-off, which, by the way, I've always had an opinion of face-off fight. I know people go, oh, the, the crazy, dumb face-off fights I hear people say all the time. And I say, well, you know, it's the most honorable time to fight, to be honest with you. Because both, both guys, guys are fresh. fresh. Both guys say yes. Yeah. And they stand across from each other and say, you want to fight? Sure. There's nobody jumping anybody. Nobody's tired at the face-off. It's absolutely the most fair, honorable time to fight a guy that you could possibly fight a guy in the game. Now, I know it's old school, but that's how I felt about it. That, that gave him the best advantage and me the best advantage. It was even Steven. We're on the face-off. If you don't want to fight, just say no, and, you know, maybe we'll do it somewhere else. But if you do, you drop the gloves, and it's real fair. Um, but when you came out of the penalty box, which I always hated, you drop the gloves, you start to square off, the linesmen jump in, and they break up the fight. They send you into the box. This is back, you know, you jump out of the box after two minutes, and guess what's going to happen? You've been in the penalty box talking for two minutes, and you're going to drop the gloves and go. And, you know, that happened with, I, I remember Bob McGill one time too. He came in because I'd had a fight with Drake Berhowski the week before. Yep. And they put him in the lineup and he was coming after me. And Don Cherry said, you know what, there's going to be some, some rough stuff to Brust going to have to answer for the week before. I knew it was coming. I knew that that was going to be part of it. But Bob McGill wasn't a guy that was, I, Bob McGill didn't show people up either. He was just downright old school babbler, tough guy, you know, and, he was at the tail end of his career then, and, and I was young, and, you know, I got the better of him in the fight. But, you know, we dropped the gloves and met at center ice and, you know, did the square off. And, you know, we knew right away going into the penalty boxes that we were coming out and fighting. There was just no question. And uh, I always figured, you know, why do the Zebras jump in when they, they can just let us fight in the first place and just let us go, and then we just go to the box for five minutes. You know, I just, I've never understood that, especially two willing combatants. But... Again, we're talking about the old days, and uh, yeah, that was you know those were the ones where you always kind of met at center ice. It was right in the middle. I was like, okay, let's go. Everybody can see, you, and there's no hiding when you're out there in that center dot. Louie, awesome stuff. Uh, next week it'll be Reed Wilkins because uh, I'll be with the boys over in Europe. But uh, thank you for your time. Have a great time over there, Bob. I will try to. I'll try to stay out of trouble. That is uh, Louis DeBras joining us from NHL Hockey on Rogers. It is 12.52 in Edmonton. The Edmonton Oilers and the Arizona Coyotes tonight. Mikko Koskinen starts for Edmonton. The Arizona Coyotes did not skate today. Uh, They're down to basically 23 healthy bodies right now. Uh, Galchenyuk, uh, Chikrin, Dvorak all out for them. Antti Ranta expected to start in goal. Uh, they've only got 13 healthy forwards currently up. Uh, Michael Grabner. Edmonton was in on him as a free agent. Back-to-back 27 goal seasons. And Vinny Hinnestrozo, they picked him up in that uh, deal with the Chicago Blackhawks where they took Hosa's salary and ended up getting Jordan Osterle, who could play tonight as well, as well as Hinnestrozo as part of those deals. Uh, apparently, uh, both guys... Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I've had very good camps so far for the Arizona Coyotes. It is 1253 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now, and we'll be back after this. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. It's 12.56 in Edmonton, where you're heading over to uh, Germany and Sweden. Our Germany-Sweden Oilers Now trip through New West travel is sold out, but we will have events coming up in Las Vegas and in Nashville. So check out New West Travel for more information on that front. Brian Burke coming up today at 135. Reed Wilkins is in at 105. You can text us anytime at 630-630 for our friends at West Lock Ford. Uh, Mark says, Bob, do you think that El Montoya is actually going to get a fair chance to win the backup job for Mark? Um, well, I think that Al Montoya, uh, what's undone him, has to do with what occurred down the stretch last year. He had a couple opportunities uh, to jump in there, jump the queue on Cam Talbot, and he got hurt twice, and that was it. And they started looking for somebody else. And in fairness, they signed Koskinen. Uh, there were multiple teams on Koskinen. I know you only get one chance to make a first impression. He has to learn. How, and this is Edmonton, right? We're on the backup goalie two games in a preseason. Let's see how he performs tonight. Arizona's got some good depth players that are dressed tonight, so it should make for a good hockey game. Uh, but I'll, I'll put it this way. It's Miko Koskinen's job to lose. How's that for an answer? Can you guys actually talk about a real sport like the NHL? What's he talking about? Were we not talking about the NHL? Or was he referring to, like, is he mad because I haven't talked to NCAA college football all week or no NFL or, or European soccer or, you know, the Edmonton Oil Kings? Like, I, I'm not sure. Uh, this text comes in from Camshaft out of Camrose. He says, Bob, did Louie ever get the best of Bob McGill? Broke his jaw, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was back-to-back nights. Back-to-back Saturday nights on Hockey Night in Canada. Bob Cole calling the games. Uh, Bob Cole, by the way, will finish up his 50th year this year for Hockey Night in Canada. He's going to do 10 games, kind of something similar that Rod Phillips did. Uh, I worked with Bob Cole. I did stats for him, secondary stats in the mid to late 1990s. And he was a beauty. No question about that. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Belt. Reed Wilkins in studio, 105. Jason Garrison coming up. Oh, yeah. Brian Burke. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.